So it was ninth grade. I was in a Blockbuster video store. Mm. I don't know if you know what that is. I uh, I remember them. I remember there's a lot of clothes signs on them. That's what I remember. Now there are yeah. because of Redbox and Netflix. Mm. But basically, a Blockbuster video store is rows and rows and rows of movies. Whatever movies you want, tons of old movies, some new releases. The new releases are along the outside usually. And I'm in Blockbuster Video with my girlfriend at the time, Laura Carlson, ninth uh, grade. Laura. <sighs> Laura. Uh, we did for three years. Wow. That's a long time. For ninth grade, for sure. So, yeah. Anyways, Laura and her mom, Leslie. And so we're looking, trying to figure out what the show of the day is. And you need to know, Blockbuster Video, when you're picking what movie you're going to watch, you're committing. Because it's not like Netflix where you're like, ah, I don't want to watch this. Yeah. Next. It's like, I'm paying seven bucks. To rent Seven dollars. To rent it for like three days, so you can uh, watch it four times. It's almost a full Netflix subscription. Yeah, like it's, half. Like, it's like a binge watch, right? <laughs> and so I'm walking, and I look down the aisle, and down the aisle I see Leslie, three aisles down, she's oh. coming towards me, and I'm thinking, okay, what can I do? What would be funny? And I love scaring people, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking here. I'm wearing flip flops. I take off one of my flip flops. I say, I'm gonna throw this down the aisle. Time it perfectly, and it's gonna go right in front of her and just shock her. Makes sense. Makes I don't sense. know why I thought this would be funny. I don't know why Ninth I thought I should do math. this. grade math, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I was doing. So I grabbed it and I take the flip flop and I time it perfectly. Throw it. Now most things when you throw them, they go down. They don't raise up. Basically. But something happened in the space time continuum. Something about. I, I don't know if Leslie. Gravity. Or? I don't know. I don't know if Leslie sped up. I don't know if I. Somehow slowed down, but I took this flip flop, threw it, it raises. Leslie walks right into the aisle at the wrong time. It catches her and <laughs> slaps her right in the temple. <laughs> and so I had to, I had to go home. It made a mark, like it was a leather heavy Ooh, sandal. It like made a, a mark. So I, uh huh. I had to go oh. home and tell my girlfriend's dad that I abused his <laughs> wife. And so uh, I had some answering to do. And that moment from when I let go of the sandal to when it hit her in the face was one of the biggest moments of anxiety a ninth grader could ever have. I have a question. Uh, yeah. Did How long did you date um, Laura after that incident? Oh, we probably dated for another two, two and a half years. Oh, so it wasn't like a deal breaker no, with the mom and no. the dad. Oh, man, man, there's stories with me hurting that family. One time mm. I lifted Laura up at the zoo because I thought it would be romantic to lift somebody up <laughs> just in front like of the in, monkey cage. Just like on the Tumblr picture. It makes so much sense. Yeah. And uh, there, were, there were beams throughout that would like come down a little bit. And like I didn't know when we were underneath the beam, so I lifted her up and poof. Her head smacked against the beam. <laughs> so I, I ruined Ooh, I ruined. It sounds that. like an abusive relationship. And not on purpose. <laughs> What's up, guys? My name is Micah, and I have today with me... David Day. David, uh, what job do you have at New Life? I have the privilege to uh, be the youth lead for the North Region. Yeah? yeah. Cool. Um, so I wanted... So not a lot of people have like a close personal relationship with you. And the one thing everyone always asks me is does David really hate cats as much as he says he does? Honest answer? Honest answer. Yes. Yes. People people see me with my cat and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, What's I own What's your cat's a- name? General Howard. Okay, so I own a cat. Basically, this is how it worked. I like my wife. My wife likes cats. I hate cats. Mm. So we compromised 
and got a cat. <laughs> That's how marriage works, folks. Yep. And so I got a cat and I had a friend with a cool cat and I said, Josh, how did you make your cat cool? Hmm. And he goes, David, if you want it to act like a tiger, treat it like a tiger. Yeah. So I've treated my cat like a tiger. I think you can personally attest to that. Yeah, I can. I mean, I've seen you throw General Howard across the room a couple times. Mm -hmm. uh, General Howard loves, you love to put him on the refrigerator for some reason. Because he needs to be in charge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on top of the, definitely. Uh, but so do you have a more, do you like General Howard more now that you treat him like a tiger? Now that you think of him not as a cat, but as a tiger? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm, he's also kind of like a dog. Oh. When I whistle, he comes to me. When I say the word snack, he runs to where the snacks are. Does he bark? Uh, no. No. But, you know, you can only change so much. Yeah. So he's okay, but most cats are the devil mm. so uh recently it's it's coming up end of the school year finals week <sighs> what was what was school like Do you, were you a, like a really educational student when you were in high school david like did, were you into school like did you study 4.0s did i study and get 4.0s i got good grades yeah Cool. Uh, I, I did a lot of other things, and so yeah. I can't say, like, some people are all school all the time. Mm -hmm. That wasn't me. I think I had a healthy balance, mm. um, but I really valued my school. Mm. So for me, I'm, like, I'm a senior, and I am uh, in Running Start, and I am graduating with my associates, and it's coming to the point where it's getting to the end. It's getting finals. I am super stressed out. I have a bunch of anxiety. I was sitting in class today. And I, uh, I was, there was math, they're doing like quadratic equations or something like that. And I have no clue what they're talking about. And I just got a huge sense of overwhelm. And I just like, I couldn't pay attention. I just felt like this oppressing feeling. And I like, I think it was anxiety, but I want to know what, what is anxiety? Okay. So I think you're dealing with two different things here. Mm -hmm. So I think one thing you're dealing with is there's stress worry and anxiety hmm. now worry and anxiety are the things that are probably more closely related um they kind of play off of each other stress in a moment like finals is a lot of times just knowing that you have a certain amount of things to do mm -hmm. and they have to get done mm. like you you know what it is you need to do you know it's a reality and it's you trying to deal with the reality of what needs to get done hmm. Anxiety is actually kind of a flip side. Anxiety deals more with the what ifs than the what is. Mm. Does that make sense? That's good. And so with anxiety, what you're doing is, is you're actually playing through every possible scenario in your, in your mind. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, what if this happened? Or what if that happened? Or what if I failed the test? And instead of saying, I'm going to study really hard for the test, you're getting paralyzed by the what if I failed the test. And you're mm. letting that direct your thoughts and your intentions and your attention and okay. so you're just trying to process those so I'd say before just going I have anxiety you need to go is it realistic or is it me just playing every scenario through in my head and getting overwhelmed by what doesn't actually exist hmm. is uh, so I know a lot of my friends they they're going through a lot of things like some parents their their families are getting divorces there's mm -hmm. families struggling with their parents being laid off is, is that anxiety, like the, the worry that they're going through, is that worry or is that anxiety? Um, 
That's I mean a lot of it is case to case, mm -hmm. but I would say that anxiety is a dangerous thing to underplay. Hmm. So I, I wouldn't say it's not anxiety. I think worry can build into that place yeah. of anxiety. Um, Jesus talks about it. He says, "Why worry about?" tomorrow today's got enough worries of its own mm. you know and he talks about the birds of the air um, having food to eat and he talks about the lilies of the field being dressed up and I think anxiety becomes this thing when worry builds on worry builds on worry builds on worry and all of a sudden you're worrying about things again that might not even actually exist mm. so I think it's natural to go my parents got a divorce mm. I'm worried I'm stressed I might even be uh, depressed for a season. I might even go through mm. a season of depression. That doesn't mean you have clinical depression. That just means you're going through a season where you're struggling with joy or you're struggling with hope or you're struggling with seeing past what's in front of you. Um, and I think that's natural and that's okay. And that's something that I'd say, go talk to a leader, go talk to a counselor. I'm all about counseling. Yeah. I'm a big fan of counseling. You find a good counselor, you talk it out. I, I have a pastor friend who says you're either in counseling, need counseling, or coming out of counseling. Mm. Like you're one of the three. Um, and so I'd say anxiety builds. And if you get through that season and you still have taught yourself how to think as like stress and you're always in survival mode, that's a, that's a dangerous place where you're starting to really toy with anxiety. Mm. What was uh, like... When you were uh, growing up, when you were younger, what what was one like? What was the biggest thing that you struggled with, like with anxiety, and how did you overcome it? Huh, that's a that's an interesting one because anxiety isn't natural to me. Mm. So, anxiety can actually even be a little bit predisposed in families. Hmm. So, my wife's family struggles with anxiety. For me. I've only had one season where I was incredibly anxious, and it was actually three years ago. Um, three years ago, I, I was going to this middle school for lunches. I uh, was helping out, serving there. There were rumors that we were talking about Jesus to the students. We weren't, um, but when rumors are loud enough, people get concerned, and basically uh, the entire community I was living in began to think I was doing something I wasn't supposed to do. And they started blogging about it. Hmm. They started posting about it. Um, it was probably five or six people that were really nervous at one time, but they made enough noise for other people to look. And then news stations started looking at it. And then it went to national news. And I'm sitting here going, people are saying these things. There was this uncertainty on whether or not I was going to get kicked out of helping out, a, out at a school, mm. whether there's going to be a lawsuit, what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen. I knew I didn't do anything wrong, but I wanted to honor the school and not put up a fight. And so I was sitting there and anxiety for me became apparent when I couldn't breathe. Like I couldn't take a full breath in. Mm. My, like my bodily functions were telling me you're not okay. So for me, I had to do a couple things. When anxiety comes, you need a filter. You need to filter through the noise that's going on in life because there's so much noise and anxiety is actually sometimes your body saying there's too much noise. Mm. So you need to step back, take a breath, listen to Jesus, get around people who love you, who want the, what's best for you, and then you can begin to look at the things in your life. And so for me, it took three or four weeks of just intense anxiety for me to figure out okay, there's a way forward. 
So if you're like in a place and you're struggling with anxiety, what I would say is find a way to filter. Take a step back. Say, what does Jesus say about this right now? What am I actually worrying about? What's realistic? And what are the people that love me saying to me? And how can I get their voices to be the loud ones in my head? So I have a lot of like, I, when I talk to people, they're like, I am really passionate about doing this. And like, I think God's given me like my next step, and I, but I'm really scared to take it. For example, I know one of my friends, he wants to start a Bible study at school. Cool. But he's scared of being rejected, and he's has all these thoughts of like being called this and that for wanting to do something um, for God. Is there how do how do we overcome these feelings that um, that are keeping us away from God's plan? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Uh, I think one is you just know Scripture. Like my hope for New Life Youth is that we would be a people that don't only just show up on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Sundays, but we're actually people who have a relationship with Jesus. Mm. And, and so in our brain, when those things happen, we hear the words in Joshua that said, Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We think about Ephesians 2.10, where Paul writes that we are Christ's masterpiece, that we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. I think about Deuteronomy 31.8 where uh, there's a promise that God has gone before. I think about Exodus 14.14 14, where it says God himself will fight for you. You just stay calm. Mm. Those are the things that you have to process through. Um, but I don't think you're ever above the fear. Elijah in the scriptures, you look in, uh, in the book of, I think it's 1 Kings. Um, he's... He just uh, does this amazing battle. He, he does this amazing fight with another nation and their gods. And he prays to God and God <laughs> sets his fire and then he uh, and then brings this rain. And there's just this crazy moment where Elijah had this victory publicly that showed his God was a better God than any other God. His God was the only God. And right after that, you see Elijah fleeing for his life, hiding by himself in a cave and there's like this disconnect sometimes where we go God just did something really cool but I don't know if that same God's gonna come through again mm. and so it's just us taking moments and saying God I'm afraid this is scary but would you remind me of your nature would you remind me of who you are would you remind me of what you've done because sometimes we get so caught up in a moment and so anxious about a moment we forget about the character and the history of God mm. so I'd say if you're like, man, I have these dreams, I want to do this, you go and you look in Scripture. You go see the things that people had to overcome, and you remember that the same God that was with them is with you. In Hebrews 11, there's a hall of faith, is what people call it. And it's just person after person after person who had tons of reasons to have fear, but let faith step in and be the overwhelming factor. Yeah, I liked what you said when you said uh, that that we can do it. Um, so much because when you look back in the Bible and you look in the past that God was with those people that had to fight wars, that had to fight battles, and God was still there and they were able to overcome mm -hmm. uh, their own stress and anxiety. Um, so you were telling me earlier about this this book about yeah. My Name is Hope. Yes. Tell me about that book. Okay, so there's a book. It's by a guy named John Mark Comer. He's a pastor in Portland. 
It's called My Name is Hope. Uh, like you said, it is probably the best book I've read in the last year or two. And if you struggle with anxiety, if you have friends who struggle with anxiety, if you um, have family members that do, or you just want to know more about it and understand how do we come at anxiety from a biblical standpoint that doesn't actually contradict clinical research. Because sometimes we go, well, it's all just a faith issue. And sometimes we go, it's all just a health issue. John Mark Homer kind of finds a great median. And he goes, this is what anxiety is. And in the most plain English, lists out what anxiety is. He says, this is what depression is. And in the most plain English, says, uh, marks that out. And then he says, this is how you live in the midst of it. This is how you hold on to the truth of scripture and combat it. It's mm. such a good book. If you're looking for a book to read, uh, you should Amazon it, get it. It is an amazing book. It's an easy read and I cannot more highly recommend it. Yeah. And I was looking on the prices and, uh, it actually, they have a Kindle version so you can go get the Kindle app. It's like four bucks to get the book, which is a steal. And if it's, if this is something that's truly, um, that you feel is like eating away at you, I'd really suggest to read it just, uh, because it's one way that you can see where um, Jesus plays into stress and anxiety. Um, is there anything else that you would love to um, tell people that struggle with anxiety themselves? Hmm. Um, I, I think I, I always point people to Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And it's just one of those verses that you need to hold on to and tell yourself over and over and over again. And it's a brain switch. It's changing the way you think. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. My prayer for you, is that when anxiety comes or worry comes, you go, my natural reaction is to pray about it, to trust God, to ask God for peace, and, and begin to seek after Jesus. And if you struggle with it, my biggest encouragement is share it with somebody. It's not a weakness yeah. to share it with somebody. It's actually you saying, I want to be healthy, hmm. I want to be humble, and I want to be the best follower of Jesus I can be. Yeah, and something that I, I love that I've heard is uh, what is mentionable is manageable. So if this is something that you struggle with, if you tell somebody, that's that shows that you can manage it. So thanks for uh, being uh, here and talking to me today. Yeah, man. Uh, listen next week for next week's podcast. Tune in next week to find out how Karsten turned Taco Bell into almost getting a world record. Uh, all of our friends every weekend would go over there and hang out and he had uh, these three pug dogs and he, w he was a honker. He looked like a barrel with four little peg legs. I mean, he was just <laughs> the fattest dog, but it was just like its fat was so everywhere. I think it just plugged its own nose with its own fat. Uh, we made the mistake of, uh, of looking up what the fattest pug in the world was because we're like dude your dog could have a world record right here so we looked it up and we found out this pug was like less than three pounds away from literally in the world record book being the fattest pug in the entire Whoa. world 
Um, again, ninth graders at the time, maybe 10th grade. Uh, the food we ate was Taco Bell. That was like our go-to choice. So after school every day, we would say, we're gonna bring our Taco Bell home and feed it to Raphael, this this pug dog. Cause three pounds, you wanna gain three pounds as a human, you just eat, you eat Taco Bell a couple times. So oh, no. we started going back to his house with Taco Bell and behind his mom's back would feed this dog Taco Bell an effort to get it three pounds heavier. And so we were, we were weighing it, we're like, okay, almost there, almost there. Uh, I think we're gonna beat this world record. 